0: All right, everybody, welcome back to Church Public. I am glad that you joined us today. We continue on looking at faith and culture, what is going on in the world. A couple things I wanted to cover today. Actually, we're going to check back in on Canada and what is happening with the pastor there that was arrested. And then I just want to talk about forgiveness and really forgiveness as the opposite of this cancel culture. I know we keep talking about it and believe me, I don't really even want to talk about it, but the reality is that I think cancel culture is real, and it is present right now. And I really think it's the opposite of forgiveness. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's get started. All right, everybody. Welcome back. It is great to see you again today. I hope that you are doing well wherever you are, and thank you for being part of this. Thanks for supporting. If you want to check out more at churchpublic.com, you can also help us with anything, with prayer and any any kind of support. We appreciate that at churchpublic.com support. You can go check us out on social media, on all of the places. We're at churchpublic at all of those places. Look forward to hearing from you. Ask any questions that you want, and I'll try to hit them. I know I got a question um, from a friend the other day about what's going on with The Bachelor. I, I don't have a lot of time to talk through The Bachelor right now, but I think that is basically the big part of it, and so we'll, we'll lump that into the cancel culture discussion in just a little bit. Before we get to that, though, I do want to talk about the pastor in uh, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, And again, I I know most of my listeners are in America, but our friends in the North, you know, we want to shout out to them as well. And there's a lot of kind of weird things going on there too. I spoke a couple of weeks ago about this pastor and what had happened, that he, uh, Pastor James Coates of Grace Life Church, was arrested for holding church. Again, the the health ministry had said they have to have 15% Uh, or less of capacity, and he really felt like if people needed to come to church because they needed to worship, they needed to fellowship, they had... I, I mean, you can look at it in whatever way you want. If you want to look at it from a secular point of view, there are mental health things that are real and people have and and we've seen a huge explosion of mental health crises during this time through depression and even suicide just ramping up exponentially if you like me look at it from a spiritual perspective I believe we're called to meet together I believe we're called to join as a body of believers and to eliminate that eliminates part of who we are really as humans. I mean, because I believe that God made us. I believe he made us specifically. I made, He believe, I believe he made us for a reason. And a part of that reason is to be with one another. Even as you look at Jesus' words, almost all of his commands are one another commands. Even if you read back into the Ten Commandments, most of the Ten Commandments are one another commands. Like whether you should steal from a person, whether you should covet what another person has, whether you should hurt or kill a person. like Those are all about the other people. All, All of our life is in regards to relationship, and that's because it's really important. We're not meant to be alone. Going back even further to the very beginning, when God made Adam, he said, it's not good for you to be alone. And so this pastor, Pastor Coates, said, I I believe my call to open up the church, allow people to be together, to worship, to express to God what's going on, to even experience sacraments like communion and and even baptism are, are more important than what the government is saying. And it would be different if this person, this pastor said something illegal, like we should go out, like if he pretended to be a Robin Hood or something and said, we should go out and steal from people. Obviously, that would contradict the Bible. But to say, we really have to be together. And again, he's not forcing anyone to come and meet. People have their own volition. They have their own responsibility. They have their own risk assessment, if you want to call it that. And you can sit there and think and say, uh, which I've had many conversations with people who say, well, he should be the better person and he should make the decision for people to keep them safe. I don't know that I agree with that. I, I think people have to make their own decisions. He's not forcing anybody to go. And anybody who doesn't feel comfortable going doesn't have to go. And really that should be the metric of what's going on. For instance, in that same city, you could go to a big box store. I won't name any specifically where hundreds and sometimes even thousands of people are with apparently no capacity. I, I don't know. And I and I can say the same is true for many states across America throughout this last year. There have been box stores that never, ever closed. And I have personally been to some of these box stores with hundreds of people in a line waiting and it's just the hypocrisy of saying that is a safer situation than a situation in a church with a real purpose like again i, I believe following after god has a really high spiritual value not only in this life but in the next and yes you have to eat you have to you know live and buy Supplies for your house, sure, but is that necessary for life and eternity questionable right i'll just I'll just leave it at questionable so to say, like these double standards and then and then, as I was looking at it too, there are other things and and this is happening across some of the states in America, specifically California. It's definitely happening where jails are releasing prisoners into the community ahead of their expected release because of the fears of the virus or something, and then it's more dangerous for them personally to be in jail than it is for them to be out. Now, there are other things going on, sure, but for instance, just a quick search I found, and I won't say the name, and you can search it and you can find the name if you want, but. Just a few months before this pastor was jailed, there was a person, and I'll just read you the Edmonton Police Service warning to the surrounding community. So again, this is the same basic community that said, quote, in the interest of public safety, the Edmonton Police Service is issuing the following warning. I'm going to skip the name. This person, 24 years old, is convicted of violent and sexual offender. And the EPS, the Edmonton Police Service, has reasonable grounds to believe, listen to this. He will commit another violent offense against someone while in the community, end quote. So they're letting a person out of jail and sending a warning to the people of the community that this person probably will, most likely will, do the same violent thing again. And again, this person targeted women and children. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not going to get into any of the details. You can, again, look up the details. This is public information. You can go look up but and i and I just checked up on on this pastor the reason this is this is a story, and I think it's important is this pastor is not allowed out of prison um that he asked to be released on bail, and they said no because he was a danger to society, so at least through May at this point, as far as I can read in in the news stories, he will still be remanded to jail and because he's a danger to society because he said he will probably not stop doing church. So the danger to society of this pastor is, if you want to go to church, you could go to church with this pastor. The danger to society with this violent and sexual offender, that's a quote, is that they actually probably will do these offenses again, which seems to be the higher Danger to society and I mean I don't I hate to draw conclusions that are not parallel and this is not exactly parallel but honestly reading these stories together reminded me of Barabbas and Jesus it's like you you want the murderer to go free because you do and the preacher might tell people some true things and that's more dangerous. And, and obviously it is. I mean, we know how the story of Jesus went. We know that saying true things got Jesus killed, got Peter killed, got John, uh, not John, uh, got a bunch of the apostles killed, and, and many martyrs and followers after that, because saying true things is not a friendly place. And, and that's not exactly what's going on here, but, but it, it certainly seems like there's a discrepancy, and, and I can't give you the full story. I just don't understand. I, I don't understand what this world has come to, and, and I shake my head, and, and it's really just a strange situation. Um, and again, that's Canada. So far, as far as I'm aware, there haven't been any arrests of that type in America, there was one guy in in I believe Moscow, Idaho, who was arrested outside for singing hymns. That was uh, early on last year when all of this started. But otherwise, I haven't heard of anybody. But at the same time, I know of several churches. Like I know a church in California that owes around a million, uh, upwards, a little over a million dollars in fines for continuing to meet. And I mean. I've worked in a church, that's a lot of fines, right? To say that a church can pay that kind of money is is a little bit ridiculous. So these are just, these are issues and it's a crazy world and I don't have a particular solution in that, but I just want you to know that this kind of goes along with that whole thing that I keep saying, that as we move through this age, there are going to be people who don't like church, who don't like those that speak true things, who don't like those that think differently. And, and you may or may not run into that, but, but you need to be prepared. You need to know that, Hey, as we go along this, you just, and and I'm, and I'm not calling, listen to me, hear me very clearly. I'm not calling for disobedience. I'm not calling for civil unrest. I'm not calling for any of those types of things. I don't think it's time for that. I don't think we should do that. I don't think ever we should be violent uh, in that way. However, we always need to follow God and we always need to follow what God says and what he leads us to. And we always need to follow the truth. And the truth is the most important thing. And you see that throughout the history of this church. You see it even from the beginning with Jesus and the way that he needed to, you know, going back to that story of Jesus and Pilate um, with Barabbas, like Jesus said, I, I, I'm here to tell the truth. And Pilate says, what is truth? And, and so there's always going to be this disconnect between what is actual truth, truth according to God and God's kingdom. And then what is not real and what the world thinks is truth. And, we see that today and we see that continuing to unfold and and it's just a really tricky and difficult situation as we navigate this. And that's part of what I want to help you do is evaluate, hey, and, and you don't have to believe me, you can do whatever you want to do. I want to give you the power, the agency to be able to make your own choices. That's really how it should be as you follow after God. But I want to give you whatever tools you can and I want you to open up your Bible and check out what it really says. Don't just guess. Don't take it from me. Don't take it from anybody who's saying it. Open it up and read it. And it's following God is not actually that difficult. It's just really hard to do because it requires choosing someone else, choosing something else, choosing the harder thing. And sometimes that goes in the face of what the current culture says, especially more and more now. And that leads us into this next section that I just wanted to talk about forgiveness for a couple of minutes because forgiveness is a huge piece of Christianity. Forgiveness is, is, it's such a big thing that even when Jesus came, the leaders, the teachers, the lawyers, the, the, the Bible professors, as it were, like Pharisees, Sadducees, were really confused about what forgiveness meant because they thought they had the formula. They thought they had the plan where you can just, do certain steps and then you've forgiven someone and then you're okay and then you can go be with God or have a good life or be a good person or something like that. And Jesus continued to turn that on its head as people talked to him, as the Pharisees asked him questions, as the disciples asked him questions. And forgiveness keeps coming up through Jesus' ministry, on through Paul, on through Peter. It's, It's just this huge thing that I think we have trouble doing in our hearts. And I think uh, one of the reasons we have trouble doing it is because it's easier to judge somebody, it's easier to point that finger and say, hey, I see you doing that thing wrong than it is to say, you have done a wrong thing to me and I'm gonna let that go. And it's easier to give someone the judgment than to give them the grace. And that—that that is just the truth. That's what makes the gospel so powerful is because God gives us the grace when we don't deserve the grace. And that's like the huge thing about this. So uh, in this cancel culture, which I mentioned at the beginning, I believe is real. We talked about Dr. Seuss a couple of days ago. And I, I just as a quick update, I, I found out, too, that on some of the online selling sites, I'll just leave it at that not name any names. It rhymes with Stramibe. But they're, they're eliminating the ability to even sell, like, Dr. Seuss books. So not only can you not buy new ones and the publisher won't be making new ones, but now on the used sites, you can't even sell the books because apparently they're bad and they're destroying culture and things like that. And this is just, I mean, I really consider it a digital book burning. It—it it, it is a digital book burning. Like you burn a book to eliminate the book from reality and it goes up in a puff of smoke and you can't read it anymore. This is effectively the same thing, right? It, it is a digital book burning where the book disappears from reality and now you can't find it, you can't read it, you can't enjoy it, you can't help your kids learn to read with it, those types of things, because someone has deemed that it's bad. While at the same time, just to to paint the full picture, you can still buy Hitler's book, you can still buy books about all kinds of terrible and gross things all over the internet, and those are not removed. So it's only selective things, and I think that's an important point, because the people that determine these things Believe they have the morality to make these decisions, but the morality is based on a foundation that doesn't seem to be very secure. That, that's that's my point on that. So, what I want to look at is that I think you know we had looked at the uh, we had looked at the Screw Tape letters the other day from C. S. Lewis, and he illuminates that there are other forces going on, and you you read through the Bible, you know that uh, this is not necessarily a physical battle, it's a spiritual battle, and there there are things going on in the spiritual world, and we need to realize that that spiritual world is powerful, and there are things going on, and what... The, the reason, one of the reasons that it's easier to judge other people is as soon as you have those moments with God and as soon as you draw closer to God, you start hearing these things and having these thoughts that, hey, um, you should judge them you should judge somebody else because it's easier to put focus on someone else than it is to put focus on you. And that's kind of this basis of cancel culture because it's easier to judge and say, hey, you made that mistake. And there is no forgiveness in cancel culture. That was my initial point. And that's why it is really the antithesis to the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. There is no way out of the cancel culture. There is no way out of, of saying that you have made a mistake and you see it all the time, and this is where, as my friend mentioned about the Bachelor, the guy, the host of the Bachelor, and I will be honest, I have never, I don't think I've ever watched it. Maybe with my wife once or twice, but um, the host came to the defense of one of the contestants when they just went to some party and dressed up, and maybe the party was a little bit insensitive. Whatever, the host didn't do anything. The host just said, "Hey, maybe we shouldn't judge this contestant on something they did several years ago." And the host himself was basically kicked off the show and out of existence and, and whatever. And we'll see if he makes it back into the limelight. Who knows? But the reality is the host apologized, asked for forgiveness for him for really not doing anything wrong and did not receive it. That's my point. That's the big point here is that in this culture and, it's, and, and really I won't even open it up. It's cancel culture, but it's just culture, period, full stop. Like in this culture... If you do the wrong thing, if you did the wrong thing 5 years ago, 10 years ago, if you if you were Abraham Lincoln and you did the wrong thing 100 and some years ago, you're now kicked out and there is nothing you can do to get back into good graces. And that is again the exact opposite of the Bible where you you can get back into God's grace by seeking after God. That's the whole point of the good news of God that you have this savior Jesus who covers over the things that you did wrong so that you don't have to worry about them anymore and he says they're as far as the east is from the west there there is no there's no more there's no farther sorry separation in between the things you did wrong and the things and the way that God covers over them and removes your mistakes your sins from you and that's really important and so I came across this clip I know I'm getting a little bit long, but I, I think this is a really good clip, and so I, I, I do want to show it. This is um, famed boxer Mike Tyson, and I, I think it's I think it's interesting because, uh, you know, I, I grew up with Mike Tyson and, and played his video game on the old, old Nintendo, right? And, and he was a crazy person because he was an incredible boxer, but he also, like, kind of was crazy. He bit some guy's ear off at one point. I mean, there's all, all sorts of things going on. And he in this in this in this clip he's meeting with a with another guy a young guy who clearly has anger issues and I've I, I've cut this clip down but he's got some anger things and they're, they're they're just talking about forgiveness and why you should forgive and this other person that he's with is like hey if someone does wrong to me I'm angry and I I, I want to like hit him back basically because they're they're talking about boxing and all these other things right so I, I want you to watch this clip and we'll talk about it real quick
1: one of the things that I've one of the many things I've learned from Mike, is how, you know, there have been people in his past that have taken advantage of him, and he doesn't hold a grudge. Lives in forgiveness. Ooh, I don't know about that. I man I'm not. Really oh, like, yeah. Listen. Yeah, I'm not listen. like. You're not ready, brother. I'm you, not like. You you, you do me wrong. No. You cross the line, like, I cut ties. Like the devil wins. Quick. The devil wins. So you're saying the devil wins because someone did me wrong. And I cut ties with that person act like I never met that person. Yeah, so I got to be the bigger person. Because he changed you. Oh, okay. So he's your master because he controls your emotions. He's not your enemy. He's your master. Because you're not who you used to be now. He stole that away from you. Mm. What you allowed him to? He can't do it if you don't allow him to. That's hard, though, man. That's... Once you learn, you think you're great now, watch how great you gonna be when you learn compassion and empathy. Oh yeah, well listen, when I was you, I wanted to be a savage. I was a savage, there's no doubt about it. I want everybody to be afraid of me. Now I want everybody to love me. You know the trip? Mm-hmm. You, let, you know, you're not gonna be 22 for long. Life go back a flick of an eye. You know, you might be a minister. You never know. You know, life, life changes us. We're born and then something happens. And then we meet God.
0: That's just an interesting clip to me and there's so much in it and, and I, I don't want to get into it too far, but what I love about it is that they they talk about this internal thing that I think most of us have when someone does wrong to you, when you feel wronged, when when other things are going on, that you, you obviously want to hit back. And and I think it's such a great analogy because he, he's the great boxer, the great heavyweight champion of the world that hit the hardest, right? But then he realizes, hey, hitting back all the time and and wanting to basically destroy your enemy every time doesn't actually get anywhere. And really, he goes on to say in this clip that what it actually does is it it... it Puts the the problem on you. One of them says it's like taking poison and hoping that your enemy dies, and that really is is what this is about. And and when we get into this cancel culture or just culture that is ultimately toxic, it's this thing where you have to find what's wrong with the other person. It only poisons you. It doesn't help them at all. And and the reality is again that's the opposite, the exact opposite of what. God wants for your life, for our lives, for the culture, for the society as we look at the intersection of faith and culture. Like this is such an important point that we really have to get and we really have to figure out and we we as followers of Jesus really have the opportunity to live out and to live differently and this could be such a great place for us to do something different to show something different to be something different. And I know I talked about this before. But there's this great story in Matthew 18 about the guy who owes the king, his master, you know, more than a lifetime's worth of salary, and he can't pay it. And then he gets forgiven, and he gets forgiven of this debt. But then he sees this guy, and he's like, but you did something wrong, and you did something wrong to me, so I'm going to destroy your life. And then the king finds out about it, and, and things don't go well for that guy again. But listen... You can go read that, Matthew 18, 23, and following. It's a great story of forgiveness. But where that comes from is, again, as we started, the disciples said, Hey, Jesus, how many times are we supposed to forgive somebody? And Jesus says, Well, a lot, you know, all of them, right? You're supposed to forgive somebody all the times. And 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 people can't comprehend that then. And we have trouble comprehending that now. Because you're like, sure, if somebody cuts me off while I'm driving, I can just let that go and forgive them. But if somebody does something terrible to me or to a family member, obviously I'm going to hold a grudge. And I'm going to hold it against them. And I'm going to want justice for that. And there should be justice. And there should be justice from the government. And that's why I started with that first story. Because... It's such a weird and unjust story. Like the person who is literally a violent criminal is just let off into the world and the person who is trying to bring the good news of God and hope and faith and love to the world is locked away. It's just such an a, a, an antithesis of what should be happening and and it's so weird to see that. And instead what we can bring is this forgiveness regardless of circumstances regardless of what's going on we have to find this forgiveness because it's such a big piece of our culture of the kingdom culture following after Jesus and it's in there in it's in Matthew it's in Luke it's in Mark it's forgiveness is in in it's all over the Old Testament, the New Testament. It's such a big theme. Even almost the very last words of Jesus is, Father, forgive them, the people, the literal people who are killing Jesus. And Jesus says, I I mean, let's just put this in human perspective, right? If someone was actually killing you in the act of, you know, killing you, and I'll just put it to me. I don't think my words would be, my first thought, my heart, my flesh would be, you know, it's fine. Just kill me. You know, I, I forgive you and 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 God forgive you, right? It's kind of like, there. Would be, I would have other thoughts about that. I would not be super happy that you're killing me. <laughs> and Jesus, obviously God, is such a great example for us because even in that circumstance, he reminds us that, Uh, Our job is to forgive other people, not, as this culture says, to judge them, to cancel them, to make sure they can't work anymore, to blackball them from society, to banish them that's not what we're supposed to do. And, and we have to be really careful when we see these stories to, to catch that and to not let it slide because it's happening so much all over the place. Poor Dr. Seuss and the Bachelor guy. and I mean, you know, some of these things don't seem to matter that much because you may not be at the age where you're reading to your kids anymore. But these things do matter. And they matter because if our culture moves this way, where every wrong action is, deserves banishment from culture... That's a really bad culture to be a part of. We should be in this kingdom culture where instead of throwing people out for doing the wrong thing, we forgive them because, not because we have that in ourselves, not because we have that kind of compassion ourselves, because God forgave us. That's where it comes from and where it should come through. So I've gone a little longer than normal, but I just, I liked that story and I felt like it was a good story to share. And I think it's something we need to think about. We need to live out every day in everything that we do. And believe it or not, you will probably have lots of opportunities to practice forgiveness in your life if you haven't already. Maybe there's somebody you're thinking of right now that God is bringing to your mind and saying, you haven't done a really good job of forgiving this person for something that has gone on in your relationship, and maybe you need to lean into that. Do they deserve it? No, probably not. Have they done anything to apologize? Maybe not. And I'm not saying you need to be in a toxic relationship. I'm not saying you need to be in a dangerous relationship. Don't hear me wrong. There's a lot of steps that go with that, and and we can talk about that at a later time. But, But in this culture and culturally, as far as you can, with the power of God, not your own, You should try to forgive and and do the best that you can in that. So I hope this finds you well, and I hope this has stirred something in you so that you can live out your faith in an even stronger and deeper way. God bless you, and keep the faith.